1: The entirety of Mark 13 is taken up with what scholars sometimes refer to as the Olivet Discourse, or sometimes the Eschatological Discourse. Now, Discourse, of course, means a sermon or speech, and Olivet refers to the mountain where it was given, and Eschatological is a word which means about the end. So, this is a sermon or a teaching that Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives about the end. The occasion for the speech was the exclamation of amazement by the disciples concerning the magnificence of the temple. The temple was absolutely central in the religious system of the Jews. It was an intellectual and spiritual immovable object in the minds of the disciples. They could not imagine anything more permanent than the temple. And so Jesus begins by prophesying its destruction now, scholars often point out the importance of noticing that the disciples ask a two-part question in response. They ask, when will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign that all these things will be accomplished? Now, they likely had no idea that they had just asked a two-part question. They almost certainly thought they were asking a one-part question, meaning they almost certainly thought that the destruction of the temple would be the end of all things. They, they still can't imagine a world without a temple at its center. In their minds, if the temple is destroyed, that has got to be the end of the world. Jesus, of course, knows that it won't be. So he says things that we know now have to do with the destruction of the temple and things that have to do with the end of all things, which has still yet to come. Probably the easiest thing to do here would be just to read the whole chapter, because the whole chapter is is the discourse, and then reflect upon it at the end in whatever time we have left. So, hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, You'll be beaten in synagogues. You'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents, and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, Whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all stay awake. Now, again, as I said, the key to understanding the discourse is to remember that the disciples asked a two-part question. They they didn't know it was a two-part question, but Jesus did. And so some of what Jesus says relates to the destruction of the temple, which happened in AD 70, and some of it relates to events which are further away in the future. But there is a sense in which the best way to anticipate those further events is to see them through the lens of the Jerusalem catastrophe. The catastrophe of AD 6970 is in a sense a foreshadowing of the catastrophe of Satan's little season or the great tribulation whatever verbiage there you're more comfortable with. Just as Rome encircled Jerusalem, so shall the antichrist encircle the people of God in the last days. That's the basic idea. However, we'll do our best to separate out the various Aspect of Jesus' answer. Probably the first thing we need to do is look at verses 7 to 8. Jesus says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places, there'll be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. So Jesus says that a bunch of things are going to happen. That you're gonna think are associated with the end, but they're not. They're associated with the beginning. They are, I suppose you could say, the beginning of the end. They are the birth pangs. Jesus says that God is going to prepare for the coming of the kingdom by throwing the world into a type of labor. Just like a woman may have many hours of labor to prepare the birth canal for the baby, so too the world will go through a long season of contraction and catastrophe to position it finally for the birth of the kingdom. And as any woman knows, and as many a husband learns, that can take a lot longer than you expect. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying here. Then he goes on to say in verses 9 to 13, that the gospel will go forth into all the world during this time of labor and tribulation. There is a sense in which the entire period between the ascension of Christ and his return can be understood as the tribulation. Now, of course, there'll be a great tribulation at the end, but the whole time period between the ascension of Christ and the return of Christ is a time of birth pangs, labor, and tribulation. Remember Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say that the last generation of you will have tribulation. He said that's going to be normative, okay? So during this time of tribulation, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go forth into all the world. He says that in verse 10. It will go forth, he says, but not without cost, right? He says that too. We have to see that. People will be imprisoned. People will be persecuted. People will be rejected. Families will be torn apart. It's going to be hard as it was for Jesus, so shall it be for you. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. By the way, take note of that. The Bible has no category for the sort of saved, right? You you either persevere in worship and service and mission for Jesus through tribulation, or you are simply not saved. Saved people persevere. Those who are not saved quickly fall away under pressure. Now, verses 14 to 23 are the most hotly debated. Many understand these verses as applying to the immediate catastrophe in Jerusalem. In fact, many people in the early church cited this very warning as the reason that they were able to flee Jerusalem in advance of the Romans. They saw the desolation of the Romans coming and they got out of there and the tribulation that followed was absolutely horrific. It is sometimes referred to as the most brutal episode in Roman history. So there are many people who believe that verses 14 to 23 are entirely historical from our perspective, meaning they've already happened. Others, however, are not so sure. They would say that while these verses can and did apply to the immediate Jerusalem catastrophe, they will also apply in a secondary sense to the great tribulation in the future. That will be a time of unsurpassed suffering for the covenant community. And therefore, we should watch for the abomination of desolation once again. And when we see it, we should run for our lives. Now, that phrase, the abomination of desolation, is Bible code. Mark even tells us that. There's an editorial comment there in parentheses in your Bible. Mark says in verse 14, let the reader understand. That is to say, let the reader understand that I'm speaking in Bible code, right? This is a reference to the abominations associated with Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes had sacrificed a pig on the altar in Jerusalem, and that had led to a three and a half year season of very intense persecution for the Jews. But that was centuries in the past, right? So for Jesus to use that language and for Mark to insert that editorial comment means that we are to look for similar desecrations in the future as an indication that the times of intense tribulation are now at hand. Now, as I said, the early Christians used that council to avoid the worst of the Roman atrocities. They got out. They ran for the hills and for cities further east. But as I said, many people also believe that we should watch for future atrocities and and desecrations as a sign of the great tribulation to come. Now, the good news is that God always limits what the devil can do. And these intense seasons are not permitted to overwhelm the saints. Jesus says that in verse 20, For the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Thanks be to God. Verses 24 to 27 describe the second coming of Christ. After the tribulation of those days, the Son of Man will come riding on the clouds, and he will send out his angels, and he will gather in his elect. Praise the Lord. Jesus then provides a short, explanatory parable. He says, it will be like the budding of a fig tree. When a fig tree buds or begins to bud, you know that the harvest is at hand. This means that there will not be a great delay between the start of this process and its conclusion. Jesus has already said that for the sake of the elect, it will be shortened. That's why one of the names for the great tribulation is Satan's little season. It is not forever. In fact, Jesus says in verse 30 that the generation that sees its start will see its end. That means that it will last no longer than 40 years, the typical length of a generation in the Bible. But of course, it could last far less than that. No one knows. And that is the last thing that Jesus says in this sermon. Look at verse 32. No one knows the specific times and dates. So if you meet someone who thinks they know, you should show them this verse, right? They don't know. And they should spend less time with their Shreddy's decoder trying to solve what can't be solved and more time loving God and neighbor because no one knows, okay? But here's what you do know. You need to stay awake, You need to watch the signs. You need to know what time it is. And you need to be doing what Jesus told you to be doing when he comes. Because he will. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly.
0: Amen. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on the Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into the search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word.